0: I feel like I'm ringing just a little bit here, so if you want to tone me down, that would be good. All right. Hey, first of all, I want to tell you how proud I am of all of you. You did not let the uh, mild weather bully you into not coming to church. Um, you you got some real uh, cold weather here for Michigan, didn't you? Uh, not... Uh, Anything like, I grew up when I was a kid, we had 35 below and going both directions, uh, not even counting the wind chill. But, uh, hey, I am, I mean, I'm really proud of you guys because there was something that says, I'm not going to let a little cold weather keep me from being together with our faith. In and that is, that's neat that you, that you, you uh, respond to it because it could have been so easy to pull the cover. You know, you, you hear the, what the temperature is, I'm going to stay in bed. You didn't do that. I'm proud of you. Well, I wanted to uh, kind of start out by just reviewing a couple of things we've been talking about that free to dream that we started a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, Ed challenged each of us to recognize that every one of us has been given a dream by God, and I think that that is so important that we realize that God is a God who, into, to all of his people, in the book of Acts, it says that all of us are men and women, everybody's going to have these, these dreams, uh, that was the prophet Joel had prophesied. And I think it's important as we begin understanding that dream that we understand and are challenged to see that we're supposed to dream that dream with God. Don't dream your dream for God. That'll always get you in trouble. Dream your dream with God because if it's a dream that's from God, it's going to take you and God dreaming that dream together to make it happen. Last week, Pastor Kurt did a a great job of helping us to understand that when we're doing that, that it's whether, you know, whatever we're doing with our life, it's going to get us out of our comfort zone. Even for Pastor Kurt, having to preach with like 36 hours notice, that got him out of his comfort zone. But didn't he do an amazing job last week? I mean, praise God. Yeah. But he, and here's the kind of the thing too, when you preach the, the uh, message coming up, God does it to you too. Uh, last, uh, about a week and a half ago, Pastor Kurt and Colette started uh, challenging me with something that was going to take me way out of my comfort zone for Good Friday. And I'm kind of whining to them and complaining, I'm not sure I really want to do that, but I'll pray about it. Well, watch when you do that, and then you actually pray about it, God's going to mess with you. So I, I, I prayed about it. And last uh, Monday uh, night, I, I just had been praying the prayer. God woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I had said, okay, God, it's out of my comfort zone, but if you want me to do it, I'm okay doing it. Well, it had to do with the Good Friday services coming up. And was, the cool thing was that I was willing to get out of my comfort zone. I didn't know where it was going to take me. But for the next two hours, God gave me clearly what he wanted me to do coming up on Good Friday. But it was, I had to be willing to get out of my comfort zone before the rest of the picture started getting clearer to me. And that's the way God works in getting out of our comfort zone. Now today what we want to focus on is that when you begin pursuing that dream, when you acknowledge it to others, you need to understand that not everybody is going to be thrilled with your dream. Not everybody is going to support you in that dream. And some people will even actively oppose you. Some people will try to bully you out of pursuing those dreams. And so what we wanted to to, to do here is to learn from Joseph's experience of how he had to deal with uh, those who would bully him into not pursuing his dream. You know, in the news and that, we've heard a lot about bullying and and how uh, intimidating that can be and and how it can crush uh, people. But the interesting thing is is it's God's people. We wanted to to not uh, imagine that somehow if we're pursuing God's dream, that that means that everybody's going to be happy about it and everybody's going to support us in it. Joseph experienced that resistance to his dream. And interestingly enough, this will take us back a little bit to uh, Genesis chapter 37. You might want to take out your Bibles if you haven't already. We're going to be focusing a little bit on some things that we saw there, and then we're going to be focusing mainly on chapter 39 today. It's on page 30 in your pew Bibles if you haven't already got, found the place. It's interesting that the initial resistance to his dream came from his brothers, he told them the dream that the, of the sheaths, and the sheaths bowing down to him. I think it was the 10 sheaths. Benjamin hadn't yet had been born, so there was 10 sheaths, and they were bowing down uh, to his sheath. And that kind of gave them the says, you're going to rule over us? No way, Jose. Well, actually, it was uh, Joseph, but that's probably close to uh, uh, Joseph. Um, but they're, they're uh, saying, uh, that, that's not going to happen. And it tells us that not only did they just kind of verbally oppose it, they hated him. And think about their resistance to changing the family system ultimately got to the point where they were thinking of killing him, and ultimately they sold him into slavery. Okay, But in family systems, I think sometimes we don't realize uh, that if you change one part of the system, every part has to change. And so a part of their resistance is, hey, We don't want to change. We like it the way things are. And so sometimes when you're pursuing your dream, you end up getting the whole family recipe messed up. And so they aren't going to say, oh, that's great, go ahead, do it. Sometimes they're afraid of what it's going to mean for for them and for the rest of the family. Keep that in mind. I was thinking about uh, Jacob's reaction to the dream, the second dream especially. In the second dream, you had the sun and the moon and the stars uh, being under uh, Joseph's leadership. You Remember that one? And it is interesting there that uh, Jacob rebuked Joseph. And I thought about that, and I said, you know, it's one thing for uh, Joseph to have a dream of Joseph ruling his brothers, but in that dream, Joseph is also having authority over mom and dad. That's represented in the sun and the moon. And I could just imagine, you know, hey, Joel, it was one thing for you to have this dream of you being in charge of your brothers, but now you're saying at some point you're going to be in charge of me? Uh, I think we want to rethink that one. So that kind of understands the rebuke there. Interestingly enough, he didn't stifle it, but he says, I want you to, you know, really think about that. I'm not sure that's uh, the way God wants you to be, you know, the way it's dad, kids, you're kind of saying it this way, rethink that. But he thinks about it and he ponders it and he wonders, what, what is this going to mean if God has really placed this dream into my son's heart? But the resistance sometimes does come from those closest to us and it can surprise us. And we need to kind of say, well, it happened to Joseph and we're going to talk a little bit later, it happened to Jesus. Should we be surprised that when we're pursuing the dream that God with that sometimes some of the resistance that we have to deal with is with those closest to us? Sometimes we just have to answer some of the questions they have. How is this going to affect all of us? Because when we have a dream, it just doesn't affect us. It affects everybody in the family. So sometimes we just have to explain it. But sometimes there are people even within your family that will never quite exactly feel that's the way you should be pursuing your dream. Uh, I had a a, a wonderful mother-in-law. And... uh, uh, I say this with a great deal of, she was kind of like Edith Bunker without the script. (laughs) Right, Phyllis? Yeah, Uh, but Edith Bunker had a heart of gold, and that was my mother-in-law. And she always had had a dream of uh, one of her sons becoming a pastor. And the three sons and the eight daughters, none of the three sons became pastors, so she was kind of bummed out. And so when Phyllis comes home with a guy who's going to become a pastor, I immediately became her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> then again, probably all of her son-in-laws were her favorite, but I felt like I was her favorite. Okay, And uh, I was a, p- a pastor for uh, about 14 years in, in Minnesota, and then God placed this dream in me of getting additional counseling training and becoming a full-time pastor or counselor. And my poor brother-in-law, being a pastoral counselor is not being a real pastor. You know, you're not going to be a pastor of a church? You know, I was breaking her heart. And every once in a while, we'd go up to visit, and she would say, are you ever going to become a real pastor again? And I would typically say, probably not but maybe she knew more than I knew uh, because God did have a dream that I would become a real pastor again in coming to Messiah. But that's a whole other story. Uh, but I, I just share that, that with you, that, that you know sometimes uh, pursuing the dream that God... And I know, Ed, you had to deal with that too uh, in following God's dream to come here to Messiah, that, that your parents, what that, that did to, to them in uh, there, that, that wasn't easy, was it? And, and so uh, I just... I want each of you to, to realize that, that we, we encounter that resistance and sometimes even opposition, uh, not from strangers, but from them, those closest to us. The second area where I think we experience bullying is sometimes from our work environment. Joseph, if we go to chapter 39, it tells us in the opening part of that chapter that the Ishmaelites who had bought him from his brothers... They took him down to Egypt, and they sold him to Potiphar. Potiphar was in uh, Pharaoh's administration, to kind of put it in modern terms. He uh, was a high official in there. One of the things that I studied it was kind of interesting. For a person to be in that high position, he would become a eunuch. Now, I'm not going to explain that in detail, And I'm sorry for some of you mothers if you have to explain to your kids what that means. But it does help you to begin to understand some things that come later about Potiphar's wife. Okay? Potiphar's become a eunuch so he could serve uh, in the uh, pharaoh's administration. And she's at home. All right? But what I I, want to focus on is in terms of... I can only imagine what it must have felt like uh, for Joseph to feel enslaved to the work that he was doing. And the impact that felt, he says, I can't imagine how this dream that God gave me of being a ruler is going to possibly ever come true with me being sold into slavery. Now I have to uh, do what Potiphar's telling me to do. And I wonder how many of us haven't felt that happening to us, that, that somehow we, we become enslaved to our work and then some of us, we become enslaved to debt, don't we? And therefore, we're even more stuck to, to that job than we ever wanted to be. And we know that if, if we're going to provide security for our family and that, we end up uh, being enslaved uh, to that, that workplace. And, and Joseph had to deal with, with, with that sense of, man, I'm not in control of my life. Potiphar's in control of my life. Now it's interesting that Joseph did uh, do his best there and he was promoted into a position of being a kind of the, the head of all Potiphar's house. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, that later but he uh, had to deal with that sense of someone else is in control of my life and we have to deal with that in some areas where we feel there's someone else that's pulling the strings in our life, don't we? We sometimes feel bullied by that. It, it's uh, again. Uh, I think back to, to the situation where I was at that point where uh, Messiah had uh, decided to call me as a, a pastor here at Pastor Care Ministries, and that and this was back in, in believe it or not, 1996. Can you believe that? 15 years ago, and uh, it, it was uh, uh, kind of interesting. It, it happened just at a time when uh, the uh, The leadership of uh, Lutheran Family Service of Iowa was wanting actually to to raise me up to a a position of even greater responsibility. Things were going very well with my work there. And so I remember a conversation with the the, uh, president of the board of directors at that time when I told him I had this call. And he said, oh, no, we need you. You're, you're, you're crucial to what we're doing here. And uh, we have plans that are going to be even more needed. He wasn't trying to bully me, but can you, you, there was a sense of feeling bullied in that. And then he said, you know, I was a pastor in Michigan, up in, I don't know where, somewhere uh, in northern Michigan. And he says, the only memories I have of Midland is this when I was traveling down to the district office, There's this green cloud hanging over Midland. <laughs> Now, I've never experienced Have any of you experienced the green cloud hanging over Midland? I, I don't know if he was making it up, but he said, I remember distinctly driving through Midland, there's a green cloud. You don't want to move to Midland, Michigan. But sometimes people with good intentions, sometimes with not good intentions, they, they, they end up kind of bullying you, and you're not getting supported and encouraged in pursuing that. And it can come from the workplace. But here's, I think, where oftentimes we experience the uh, bullying in, in some very profound and, and difficult ways. We are bullied to compromise our values and God's values by those around us. Does that ever happen to you? You're feeling bullied to compromise your values. It can, it can be in the school, it can be in your workplace, it can be with your friends, you know, with recreation. And you're bullied into to, to trying to get you to compromise your values. And that's, that's where the story of, of Joseph gets kind of interesting. I'm going to try to do the PG version of this, okay? We, we have Joseph, uh, if you go there to, uh, it, he's gotten in a position, he's been raised up to the, uh, in charge of all Potiphar's house, and Potiphar saying, I don't have to concern myself with anything, you're doing such a good job of managing And then you get to the second half of verse 6. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. All right, do some imagining. Okay, do some dream daydreaming here—not too much—but he was a hunk. All right, that's what it's saying. He was a hunk. And Potiphar's uh, wife, remember, Potiphar's a eunuch. I'll let you do the figuring out what that all means. Took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. All right, that's kind of saying it in just, let's, it's at the PG version. But you know where this is headed, right? Okay, and, and, and here's, so for some short-term pleasure, Joseph easily could have compromised his values. He could have rationalized, nobody's going to know but her and me. And probably may, it may have worked out uh, that way. But we're put in those positions all the time in our workplace. The stories of of, uh, the challenges that you guys have to your uh, ethical and moral values in the workplace are amazing. The challenges to compromise uh, with your integrity and honesty and when it comes to the um, financial side of things. And then the, the, the ways in which you're... Uh, tempted to compromise your values when it comes to uh, relationships outside of your 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 marriage. The Joseph story isn't so uh, different, isn't it, from what you have to struggle with. And so we we find that, and and uh, we uh, uh, we need to to realize how how difficult that that is. Now, here's what I really want you to t- take away uh, from this: how did Joseph respond to this bullying? You know, he didn't want her mad. Man, you know, having uh, uh, Potiphar's wife mad at you, that, that's, that's not a, usually a smart idea. You, know, you don't want to get your boss's wife mad at you, do you? But here's important. But he refused. And listen to this is what he says. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. You know, she would kind of forgotten that, hadn't she? He reminded Here's the key, and I want you to underline this. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? When you're tempted to compromise your values, you need to have a solid sense of right and wrong. And that's what Joseph had. And here's three things that I want you to take away from how I believe that Joseph was able to deal with the bullies, both within the family, in the workplace, and with all the things that were going on in his life. Three things I take out of this chapter 39. One, he knew that God was with him. He knew God's hand of blessing and favor was upon him. That was important. And it's important for you. Do you believe that God's blessing and hand of favor is on you? Do you really? Or do you go through life really wondering and questioning whether God loves you and cares for you and really is working out his plans and purposes through your life. Sometimes I think we, we kind of think it, but we really, more often than not, we kind of doubt it, don't we? But it was so important that, that Joseph and for you and I to, to have that sense of knowing that God is with us and his hand of blessing is upon us. Look for those ways in which God is showing it to you. It was so obvious to, to those around Joseph. Even Potiphar recognized God's hand A blessing is on you. I would hope that that's obvious to the people around us as well. God's hand a blessing is on you. The second thing that, that Joseph shows us that he decided it was more important to please God than to please other people. That was so crucial at that point. He could have pleased Potiphar's wife. He could have pleased himself. But he chose instead to please God. That's what living a life to the glory of God is all about. That no matter what, rather than pleasing others or pleasing yourself, you're going to do something that brings a smile and pleases God. And I, I just really want you to uh, encourage you in that. Is, that. is that the way you live life, that my ultimate Desire is not to please my boss, not to even please my family members, but my ultimate goal is to please God. He could have been bullied and pleased the bullies at any point in his life. He could have said to his brothers, Oh, you know, that must have been a nightmare. It really wasn't a dream. Sorry. There. He could have uh, responded, uh, you know, differently to Potiphar's wife, but he chose to please God. And follow what God, dream God gave him rather than pleasing himself or others. And here's the thing that kind of blew me away as I really had been studying this and, and wondering what God was up to in Joseph's life that God was teaching and equipping Joseph through the bullying experiences. Joseph gets sold to Potiphar. Potiphar makes him a servant, promotes him to a position of leadership being second-in-command. And he gets experience managing. And he gets experience in being a servant leader. And he gets experience of being second-in-command. Hmm, Fascinating. You know, when you you please God and man, things don't always turn out great. You'll find out more about his going to jail and spending several years in in jail. But in jail, and being in jail, you can feel kind of bullied, right? Uh, And that, but what happens? The warden sees that he's a man of integrity and he's got God with him, raises him up to position of leadership, second in command to himself. And so he gets more experience, being a servant leader, second in command. Now, if you know the rest of the story and you understand that it was God's dream for Joseph that he would use Joseph to save the lives of many people, especially the people of God, through whom God was going to bless all the nations of the earth, then all of a sudden, wow, this bullying wasn't wasted. Joseph got all these amazing experiences of being a servant leader, second in command. Ah, here's where I want to say to you. Sometimes we're feeling bullied, and all we want to do is whine and complain. God, I don't understand why you're making me go through this. These people are not being nice to me. Come on. Imagine how many times God has to hear that tone of voice from us. Only God who loves us unconditionally could put up with that. But he does. But he wants us to to realize that he's not wasting these times of bullying. When we're experiencing opposition, God's not wasting it, that time. He's training us and he's equipping us just like he did Joseph. Now here's where you need to realize that is what we learned from Joseph and his experiencing that bullying, Jesus went through the same thing. Jesus experienced bullying from his family. As you get to know Jesus in the gospels, you'll begin to understand that there were even family members who says, Jesus, you know, this messianic complex you got's getting out of hand. You're causing trouble. Why don't you just come home? Go back to being what you were before, and things will be calmed down. We won't have to worry about you getting killed. That was Jesus. He experienced it from his own family. Jesus certainly experienced bullying from, from those who were uncomfortable with how he was kind of trying to change the way things were done. You know, they were comfortable with the way they had figured out how to do church. Their way of figuring out how they could get the Messiah to come was based primarily on one thought. If we can only keep the Sabbath perfectly for one day, God will be so happy with us, he will send the Messiah. That's the way they, a lot of them were just kind of thinking about. It. So Jesus heals on the, Messiah, uh, on the Sabbath. Ah, you're working on the Sabbath, you blew it. we gotta wait another week for the Messiah to come. They wanted to bully him. And they said, you know, if you don't quit doing this, we're going to kill you, and ultimately, that was their uh, thought. They, if they killed Jesus, they could solve their problems. Isn't it interesting that our heavenly Father said, "It's going to take my Son dying to solve their problems. I'm going to let Him be bullied like no one's been bullied before." Jesus took on bullies we can't face. Every one of us who sins is a slave to sin. And Jesus took on that bully. And He freed us from being slaves to sin. Jesus took on the devil. And the devil's a bully, whether you know it or not. He's a bully. And he's a bully that's stronger than you, but he's not stronger than my brother Jesus. So when I get into a fight with my uh, the the devil, I call my big brother in, and I say, "Here, we're not going to fight him alone, are we?" But Jesus made sure that the devil couldn't accuse us anymore, couldn't bully us with his accusations. Say, "No, I'm not guilty. I'm forgiven." And Jesus took on the bully of death. And none of us have ever been able to figure out how to get that bully taken care of by ourselves, have we? He took on the bully of death and said, death is not gonna get the last word. Because I died for you, you're gonna be able to live forever. That's why God, now because of what Jesus has done, has freed us to drain the dream. And so I want you to come away from this message, come away from this service with your being confident that God is with you because Jesus is for you. And you can be confident that you can live your life now not to to try to uh, please others, but you can live your life to please God. And you can live and see that even in the midst of all the bullying that you're facing, that God is working all things together for the good God has in store for you. Jesus faced the bullies. Joseph faced the bullies. God's people here at Messiah are going to face the bullies, aren't they? And when we face those bullies with God's help, watch out, world, here we come. And all God's people say,